0: With Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg, And we are broadcasting live in downtown Northampton because this is our annual coverage for the annual community bike breakfast and it's more than a breakfast it's a community event it's a celebration of our environment and a celebration of what we can do to try to protect our environment and do something really good for ourselves while we are at it this is i believe the 24th community bike breakfast we have been here many years in a row and it's always such a pleasure and thank you i want to thank uh, george uh, Kohat, who is the Uh, Friends of Northampton Trails president uh, because what you arrange for every year is spectacular weather. Uh, Thank you very much for doing that. Let me me start with you, George. Friends of Northampton Trails, for those of our listeners who don't know, what is the Northampton
2: Trails? Well, Bill, Buzz, thank you very much for having us here today. Um, Friends of Northampton Trails is just a community nonprofit that promotes the use of... um, there, there, we're going to be right into that. The use of uh, bicycles as much as possible, um, a, a pedestrian activity along our network of trails in the city. How big is the network, and where does it go to, and where does it come from, and you know, talk to me all about that, huh? We've been so fortunate here in Northampton because we have 11 miles of these multi-use bicycle trails um, that go from the Connecticut River out to um, Florence, around to Leeds, over to East Hampton. Not only that, but and we, to, we also and have to
1: Amherst, to and 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 Amherst, and, and
2: Hadley. You know, the Friends of Northampton trails pretty much is focused here. In our city, but the network of trails in the region goes much beyond here. So, uh, George, I want to ask you a question that I, I have asked in the past and it
1: continues to interest me, which is how big is bicycling in and around this area? In term, And more specifically, can you tell us something in terms of have people changed their ways in terms of how they uh, transport themselves? Have they given up the shorter routes uh, on their cars and that sort of thing?
2: Bill, that's a really good question. And I think you asked this question last year and I said, I got to go find that data for Bill. He's all about data. So Things are changing. It's more anecdotal information that I have. But one, um, one symptom of it is the e-bikes that are coming out. More and more people are using e-bikes, not only because they can't make it up hills because we're a little older, but they're carrying cargo on it. They're carrying children. And that's a change of our lifestyles and a change of some of our transportation habits. Um, t- well, let me while we're
1: talking about e-bikes, e-bikes? E-bikes. Okay. <laughs> Let me turn to Karen Foster, who is the Executive Director of All Out Adventures, Ward 3 City Council Vice President of the City Council as well, and ask you about e-bikes. Has this been a significant investment by the city, and how has it worked out?
3: Well, the city's work with the Valley Bike Share and doing the e-bikes um, for the bike share, I think has really opened the bike share up to a constituency of people that, that may not have been able to access that before.
1: Okay. The community of people who may not have been able to access that. We're talking about people who say, ride a bike. I'm not sure I can do that. Loaded it up with uh, groceries on the bags in the back. I'm not sure that's going to work. But with these electronic assist bikes, is that the proper term, George?
2: I would say E yes, electric
1: assist. Okay. Yep. And then make them available to a wide, wide range of uh, uh, people who otherwise might not use a bike.
3: And with my All Out Adventures hat on, I can say that the the work on electric assist has really opened up cycling to people who have disabilities and to people who are older. Um, we sell and service recumbent trikes and people who have um, disabling conditions like multiple sclerosis or other things that lead to fatigue are able to ride electric assist um, trikes and go farther and open up their world significantly more um, than before. You just
1: mentioned recumbent bikes. <laughs> okay, I must, admit i confess when i first saw them i don't know 20 years ago i said that's a goofy looking bicycle um does that really work and the answer to that is newman you're you're a moron but besides that um tell us about recumbent bikes and whether they are in fact a significant contributor to the bicycle community?
4: Sure.
3: We work with um, recumbent trikes, so ours have two wheels in the front and one in the back. It's actually the fastest, well, a few years ago, it's one of the fastest growing segments of the bicycling industry as people are aging and people want to continue cycling through disability, through illness, through injury, Um, and so we just year by year by year see more and more and more people out able to access cycling through the use of recumbent trikes.
1: And. In terms of cost, could you give us some sense of what the economics are of purchasing a bike or a trike or an electric bike, which you don't have to purchase now because they're so available in the city, but tell us a bit about the economics of it.
3: Sure, and I should say, so All Out Adventures, we run cycling programs that are free or very low cost, so that economics are not a barrier to people being able to participate in cycling. For those who wish to purchase, our recumbent trikes start around $1,300 and they go north from there. Um, and purchases of those trikes actually support our free or low cost programs. Um, but it's about 1300 and up for the trikes.
1: I I have a question for both George uh, Kohout and Karen Foster. George is the Friends of Northampton Trails president. Karen is the Ward 3 city councilor and the executive director of All Out Adventures. And my question for you is about the economics of owning a bike and the environmental impacts and benefits of owning a bike. And in particular, what I think I learned from you, George, in one of these breakfasts, is that there is a very large percentage of car use that is for trips within a couple of miles that could easily be done on a bike and it makes a huge difference. So tell us more about that if you would.
2: Thank you very much, Bill. It it seems like you've drank the Kool-Aid about, uh, we don't need our our cars for these short trips. Safe Kool-Aid, I'd like to point out. Uh, Delicious Kool-Aid, okay, we're good. We don't need cars for these short trips. Um, Granted, sometimes if I'm gonna go purchase a piano, I can't do it with my bicycle. But most of the times I can walk to a store, I can use my bike for that. And those are the kinds of things that we want in a city like Northampton, these smaller smaller, uh, towns and cities. Um, yeah, I think more and more people are seeing the wisdom of that. I think we're seeing it with the Main Street redesign plans here, that enough of us live close to the city, that if we make it amenable to bike riding, amenable to pedestrians and people with different kinds of mobility issues, people will town um, and not need to drive their cars there um, because we live within two miles of all of these services. Bike riding is just really... Um, really blowing up in that way and we need to keep up the the uh, interest though especially for young children um, so let me turn go back to karen foster who is the
1: Ward three counselor in northampton vice president of the council and executive director of all out adventures bicycling as a significant means of transportation not just uh, a hobby or something to do on well uh, some beautiful day some beautiful weekend The city is in fact investing significantly in Bikes and the new downtown Northampton plan is has bikes as a very prominent feature. Can you tell us more about that and what your hopes are and what your fears might be in that regard?
3: Sure, and and just uh, in the interest of full accuracy, on the word two city council. Oh, word two. Um, I'm sorry. Two three. We're close. I'm sorry. Um, but the city has is absolutely investing um, quite a lot in the Main Street redesign, and and you know I'm on the I serve on the I, city's I, did, I,
1: did I just? Uh, uh, Cast dispersion on G- Jim Nash and Ward Three. I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> it's okay. If anybody, I'm going to be confused with. Um... Yeah,
1: I'm sorry. I do know. I do know War Two, but that, that's how it goes. Okay. But so, v- Vice so, President
3: yes. of the Council, that <laughs> yeah. part's right. But the 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 Main Street redesign and the focus on on cycling and pedestrian safety and mobility. You know, a, a statistic that I think people really should get in their heads is that when a vehicle is traveling 20 miles per hour or less, the rates of, of fatal accidents drop significantly. And so when we slow traffic down. And we build cycling and pedestrian infrastructure, we make it safer for everybody. And you know, you're talking about cycling as transportation. I have young children who have freedom and access to the city because we live on the bike path. Um, so they can hop on their bikes and take off.
5: How about places to park your bike and safely?
3: Yeah, so um, the city is investing in more um, bike racks. There's uh, plans for covered bike storage coming downtown. Um, and those kinds of things make a huge difference to somebody, say, being able to, to park their bike and go to a store or, or hop on the bus. Um, so that's a huge infrastructure investment.
5: Are, are merchants more willing to let you bring your bike in for a minute if you, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing? you know um, bikes are still a bulky item i
2: don't think merchants want you to bring your bike into the store so we do need to create more uh, safe biking places to lock your bikes um, right now, I think merchants are more amenable to letting you bring your dog inside than your bike because of it's, uh, it's less of a situation. So I should ride my dog? <laughs> Thank you, Buzz. Or, or teach your dog to poop. Uh, teach your bike to poop. <laughs> Something like that.
1: I, I, I would like to know this, and I've posed this question to various uh, guests we've had on this uh, Community bike Breakfast show in the past. I think some people... Still are concerned about safety, the issue just raised and the safety of riding a bike when there is traffic, and whether there is danger to that or not. And I'd appreciate both of your perspectives. George uh, Kohout, who is the president of Friends of Northampton Trails, and then we'll go back to uh, the Ward 2 city councilor and vice president of the city council, and the executive director of Wall Out Adventures, Karen Foster. George, what's the story about safety? Get on your bike, you know, you run into a car. That sounds really dangerous, and I think that dissuades a lot of people from saying, I'm going to get on my bike and ride downtown.
2: There's no doubt about it, Bill. But, uh, for instance, I'll tell you, I've been riding my bike since I've been 16. I lived in Boston. Okay, I wrote... so you've been doing it for four or five years. I've <laughs> I lived in Boston and rode my bike. I've never had an accident. Knock on wood. Um, you know, it's like lightning does strike, but just because you're on a bicycle doesn't mean you're inherently in a dangerous position. You just have to be aware of what you're doing. There's no doubt that folks are more distracted now when they're operating a vehicle, and we have to be mindful of that. Um, but there are a certain number of things that you can take in mind while you're riding. The, uh, but fortunately, our, our allies, mass bike have recently helped to pass legislation in the state which has provided more safeguards around driving and riding bicycles to create safer streets. So no, I wouldn't ask anybody to stay home for an inherent fear of riding your bike and getting hurt. That doesn't happen as often as we think. And the city, by creating these bike lanes in this new design for downtown
1: Northampton, I think t- takes a significant step in that direction, saying, yes, this is how we are going to do things in the 21st century. Karen Foster, your view about that?
3: Yeah, and I think you know, to, to add to it, the more people who bike, the more drivers will see cyclists, and the more we change, we change the culture. So um, you know, by creating infrastructure that makes it safer, more people will be out cycling, and then you know, it sort of will, will roll from there.
2: And I'll say, if I might, motorists who are bicyclists or motorists who are pedestrians are much more aware of their surroundings and of bicyclists and pedestrians.
1: In terms of being aware of surroundings, I would like to know whether uh, Friends of Northampton Trails or one of the other organizations, and there are half a dozen of them here today, uh, give instructions about how to be a safer person on a bike. I mean. Paying attention is important, but you need to look, for example, if you're going past parked cars, you want to make sure that someone's not going to open the door,
2: for yeah. example. Yeah. The good question, Bill. As a matter of fact, this is Bay State Bike Month, and that's why we're doing this here. There's a number of activities. The AMC Cycling Club is offering just that, a safe bike riding um, workshop, a couple of times this month, and they will, again, take groups of people out on city streets and on roads and teach them some of their techniques they've learned over the years about safe cycling.
1: Karen Foster, the part of the city's plan. We're going to make not only bicycles a prominent part of downtown and shopping downtown, but we're going to do it safely.
3: Well, I'll give a shout out to the Northampton Police Department, which over the years has um, received and used grant funding for bike rodeos for kids um, to help kids learn Um, bike safety and then I think other organizations working with adults it's really key um, for people to ride confidently through the city on city streets to to know how to do that Um, so shout out to um, AMC Cycling Club for doing that
5: so yes Buzz I just see that the mayor is here
1: Okay. The mayor is here.
3: Great.
5: Let's
1: take a break. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk to the mayor, and I think she's going to share the city's proclamation as well. We have a number of other guests coming up. We'll be right back from our annual bike breakfast. This is National Bike Month. Friday is National Ride Your Bike to Work, and we will be right back.
5: won't be a stylish marriage I
0: can't afford a carriage but you'll look sweet upon the seat of a bicycle built for two you're listening to talk the talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg
6: college tuition a long overdue remodel credit card consolidation good ideas come to you every day But now, with a home equity loan from Franklin First Federal Credit Union, you take ideas and make them come alive. Get a fixed rate of 5.74% APR for 20 years and gain control of your world again. Start at franklinfirst.org. Rates subject to change, membership eligibility required. Franklin First Federal Credit Union is an equal housing lender and insured by NCUA.
7: Are you or someone you care about struggling with mental health or substance use? The Behavioral Health Helpline is here for you. Call 833-773-2445 and we'll work with you to find the help you need. Free, open 24-7 and available in over 200 languages. No insurance needed. 833-773-2445. A service of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts operated by the Massachusetts Behavioral Health Partnership
8: kick off your summer by joining pioneer valley fiberglass pools for their grand opening event at their brand new showroom in westfield on june 1st from 11 to 1 starting with a ribbon cutting by the mayor enjoy food and refreshments or even take a dip in one of their many pools on display come join the fun and explore the possibilities for your own backyard pioneer valley fiberglass pools has been in business for over 20 years and offers free virtual site evaluations and competitive estimates see you june 1st from 11 to 1 check out pvf pools com for more info. Your Oasis awaits.
9: What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member Bill Newman.
8: Local farms
1: are welcoming spring to the co-op asparagus popping up and ready to eat in bunches in the co-op meat department local chicken from reed farm house-made brats and sausage everything to kick off grilling season in the co-op cheese department welcome the maple season with maple washed willoughby a delicious local cheese washed with vermont maple liqueur
4: river valley
10: co-op wild about local everyone is welcome
0: you're listening to talk the talk with bill newman and buzz eisenberg Friday HMP. is National
1: Ride Your Bike to Work Day, and we are about to hear from the mayor of Northampton. She has a proclamation for us. It is busy here, and we have, well, had a bike just fall over thanks to the wind, but it seems to be no worse for wear. We are waiting for the mayor to make her official announcement and proclamation from the city. And Madam Mayor, Madam mayor is now taking my picture. This is silly. <laughs> This is George Cocut, the Friends of Trails, who's addressing the crowd.
2: Um, So with no further ado, uh, GL, our mayor, Ciara, has come from another event today, but I really appreciate her coming through. GL is a great advocate of both pedestrian and bicycle activity in our city. um, And we're really grateful to have her support this year and throughout the year. So thank you.
6: George, can we give it up for
1: George Kohout, Yes. Oh. Hey. <laughs> President of the Friends of Northampton Trails.
6: George is just gives so much to our community and is everywhere. I don't, I don't actually know how he does it, but thank you for all that you do. Thank you all for all that you do. I do have a proclamation. So good breezy morning to you all, and happy bike commute day and um, bike commute week. So bike commute day, May seventeenth today. Um, part of Bay State Bike Month. Whereas bicy- bicycling contributes to the health and fitness of residents, provides mobility, does not add to noise or air pollution, and provides an inexpensive and convenient way to commute, and whereas bicyclists have the same rights and duties as drivers of other vehicles, including the right to use city streets, and whereas bicyclists must follow the traffic laws as other vehicles, both for their own safety and for the safety of others. And whereas there is so much to celebrate in Northampton bicycling, bicycling, including the launch and almost immediate success of Valley Bike, the electric pedal-assist bike share system, and the city's first cycle track along Pleasant Street. And whereas bicycles are used in a variety of occupations, such as by members of Northampton's police department and by the people who haul trash and recycling from our downtown, and now, therefore I, Jean Louis Shara do hereby proclaim May seventeenth, twenty twenty-three, to be Bike Commute Day in the City of Northampton, and encourage all citizens who are able to bicycle to to work, or school, and to take cognizance of bicyclists in their travels. I urge citizens to consider bicycling as an efficient, planet-friendly, and enjoyable mode of transportation and recreation. In witness whereof, I have set my hand and imprinted the seal of the City of Northampton on the seventeenth day of May, twenty twenty-three. Mayor Jean Louis Shara. Happy bike commute day, everybody.
1: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Can we borrow the mayor for a minute? Put her on the air, back on the air?
2: We're, we're broadcasting live on WHFP WRSI today, so um, that's the celebrity tent over there.
1: Well, thank you very much, George. We really appreciate it. So, Madam Mayor,
6: Good I'm help you with your-
1: This is this yes we are making our way back to the WHMP tent and we are thrilled to be back downtown for this annual event. Uh, There's been a great change in Northampton in terms of use of bicycles and and the uh, kind of kind of work that the city has done to promote bicycling and the new plan for downtown Northampton, which is kind of bicycle centric as I believe it should be. Wondering if. see that progress as real or as more cosmetic? What's your view?
6: I think it's really real and um, and concrete, actually, in, in sort of both uses of that word. So, uh, you mentioned the Main Street redesign, so we just got to an exciting point in that project, which is the 25% mark for MassDOT. Um, and that um, that plan includes separated bike lanes throughout all of Main Street, so that's that's a way that we're really sort of solidifying our commitment to um, safe, you know, bike infrastructure.
1: Anytime there is a plan to put new bike lanes in a downtown, there is pushback from store owners and merchants, and not 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 uniformly or universally saying if we can't have the cars right in front of our stores in order for people to shop, that will hurt us economically. And I know you've heard this argument. How has the city responded to that argument?
6: Well, I mean, so there is some parking that we're eliminating for this plan, but there still will be plenty of parking downtown. Um, We also just recently did a parking study, and what it shows is that we have – enough capacity. It might not be directly on Main Street, but we have plenty of capacity in the garage, and um, we have a thousand spots altogether, including the lots and the garage. Um, so We have how many? A thousand. That's, a, you, that's a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, with, within a five-minute walk of Main Street, you have a thousand spots. So, um, we, we know from the study that there is sufficient capacity, and so we really... You know, I, I really ask people to think differently about how they approach, um, you know, their transportation to downtown. So if you can walk to downtown, do it. If you can't walk to downtown but you are able to walk a distance, then please park in the garage or park in one of the lots. And let's prioritize the spots that are directly in front of the businesses for people who need that sort of accessibility.
1: And in fact, the city has recently increased uh, the fee for parking on Main Street, I think with the purpose of making sure that people who want to park right in front of a store have the ability to do that, but that they don't stay there Unnecessarily for an unnecessarily length, unnecessary length of time.
6: Yeah, one of the things that we heard from businesses and from restaurants in particular is that they, there needed to be more turnover, particularly in the evening. So we adjusted the time that um, that there's parking enforcement. So we made it um, later in the evening. It started, uh, it starts later now, and it ends later. So it ends at, at um, 8 p.m. And um, we did increase sort of it in some of these prime times when we want people to be able to come and find a spot. Um, we did increase the parking a little bit, but in some of the areas right near Main Street, we decreased it. So what we want to do is is ensure that workers have a place to park that's not too far, but isn't necessarily directly in the prime parking spot, but that they can access their work and that there's enough turnovers that people can come and frequent our great businesses.
5: So those are really thoughtful measures. Other than that and your proclamation today and supporting this wonderful event, how how else does the mayor promote people rethinking retooling mm. i'm not going to drive i'm going to just bike to get that gallon of milk that i need
6: well so, I mean, I think it's always about just encouraging that messaging. And so it is about building infrastructure. And so in addition to the um, the sort of main street um, infrastructure, we are building a lot of recreational infrastructure around biking. Um, and you know, so we are expanding um, the Connecticut River Greenway. There was a really exciting vote um, in Hatfield, not our community, but um, Hatfield voted in support of... Um, of making a multi-use trail connection to northampton which will continue our greenway uh from northampton to hatfield so that's really exciting so i feel like and you know we there's a rocky hill greenway we are doing a lot with our recreation bike infrastructure and so the more we get people out on bikes and they realize that it's fun that it's an easy form of transportation and and when we make it easier for people to use bikes for commuting um or for going to school then you know i think that will just encourage people to, to think about their bike instead of their car.
1: We have been speaking with the mayor of Northampton, Gina Shera, who has read the proclamation. Is that your proclamation by yourself, or is that something the city council had a barred
6: in? This is a mayor's proclamation. Yeah.
1: Oh, all yours. <laughs> all well, mine. Okay, I, let, let me... I uh, ask you this question before we uh, turn, we're going to speak, be speaking with Larry Hott in a few moments about his new film, which will be shown this weekend about the Niagara movement. I'd like to know whether in your experience as a longtime resident of Northampton, whether you have seen a change or whether this topic of increased use of bikes is still mostly aspirational.
6: I have seen a change, um, and actually, it's funny. We're, we're still—we've tr- actually seen a change in parking revenue, which parking revenue has decreased since the pandemic, and we're we're still trying to parse out what that means. I hope it means that people are using other forms of transportation, like bikes or walking, to get downtown. Um, it, you know how certain offices are not full again, therapists are still doing, there are all sorts of reasons why, but I really hope that one of the reasons is that people are, um, have spent, you know, during the pandemic kind of rethought how they're gonna do some things in their lives and, and are biking and walking downtown.
1: Mayor Jean-Louis Scherer, thank you so very much. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Larry Hott. We're also going to talk with Jonathan Brody, who is the co-president of Northampton Cycling Club. How can you get involved? Where can you go? How do you do it? Can you get some help? Can you take a family-friendly adventure on your bike? You can do all those things, and we're going to find out how
0: right after this. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg
4: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Amherst Regional School Committee met for nearly six hours last night to listen to hours of public comments and consider how they will find an acting superintendent to fill in while Michael Morris is on leave amid investigations of transphobic actions of three counselors. Members of the public called on assistant superintendent of Diversity, Equity and Human Resources, Dorian Cunningham, to resign. We now know that multiple previous complaints were made over the course of years and swept under the rug by district leadership, all while LGBTQIA students at arms were enduring harm at the hands of staff. A statement from Cunningham was read aloud during the meeting, and during public comment, she emphasized she's not resigning. Today is
6: yet another dark day in the Amherst community, and I hope we can work together to bring our community jointly back to the light. I am not resigning. And I'm looking to the possibility of working with the community to make the necessary changes.
4: The school committee plans to meet again Thursday night at 7 p.m. Massachusetts U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins says she will resign following a months-long investigation by the Justice Department's inspector general into her appearance at a political fundraiser and other potential ethics issues. Rollins is expected to submit a letter of resignation by close of business on Friday. The annual Athol Orange Community Television Foodathon raised over $33,000 for local food banks yesterday during a 12-hour live broadcast hosted by Jay Dean, featuring many community leaders, including Senator Joe Comerford and Congressman Jim McGovern.
11: Sunny and breezy today brisk with a high of only 60 to 64 mostly clear tonight evening temperatures quickly dropping into the 40s and 50s frost likely with an overnight low of 28 to 34 sunny on Thursday a high of 64 to 68 and mostly sunny here Friday a high in the low 70s. I'm 22 news storm team meteorologist Brian Lapis 1015 WHMP.
4: This news update in Spanish is brought to you by our friends at Holyoke Media.
12: Yo soy Johan Rechivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Un fiscal especial descubrió que el FBI se apresuró a investigar los vínculos entre Rusia y la campaña de 2016 de Donald Trump y se basó demasiado en inteligencia cruda y no confirmada cuando concluyó una investigación de cuatro años que estuvo muy por debajo de la predicción del expresidente de que el crimen del siglo quedaría al descubierto. El informe del lunes del fiscal especial John Durham representa la culminación largamente esperada de una investigación que Trump y sus aliados habían afirmado que expondría las fechorías masivas de los funcionarios encargados de hacer cumplir la ley y de inteligencia. En cambio, la investigación de Durham arrojó resultados decepcionantes, ya que los fiscales obtuvieron una declaración de culpabilidad de un empleado del FBI poco conocido, pero perdieron los únicos dos casos penales que llevaron a juicio. En otras informaciones, un Tribunal Federal de Apelaciones de Nueva Orleans suspendió temporalmente el lunes el fallo de un juez federal que anuló una parte de la Ley del Cuidado de Salud a Bajo Precio, que exige que la mayoría de las aseguradoras cubran la atención preventiva, incluidas las vacunas y los exámenes de detección de cáncer, diabetes y VIH. Sin comentarios, la Corte de Apelaciones del Quinto Circuito de Estados Unidos emitió una suspensión administrativa del fallo del 30 de marzo emitido por el juez de Distrito de Estados Unidos. Reed O'Connor, de Texas. La administración de Biden había pedido una suspensión cuando apeló la decisión del 30 de marzo. Los abogados de la administración dijeron en documentos judiciales que la decisión de O'Connor afectaría la atención preventiva de 150 millones de personas. La apelación se encuentra en las primeras etapas y la Corte de Apelaciones aún no ha fijado una fecha para los argumentos. Yo soy Johan Rashid Vega, y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
4: This news update in Spanish has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. <música>
1: We are broadcasting live from downtown Northampton. This is Northampton Bike Day. The mayor has just read the proclamation. It is National Bike Week. It is Massachusetts Bike to Work Day. It's National Bike to Work Day on Friday. I think there's a consistency here, and we have with us Larry Hott, who has taken me on more than one really interesting bicycle tour of Florence, Massachusetts. We have Larry with us today because we want to remind you of this very, very exciting event, a premiere of a film that Larry has made for PBS that will be shown this weekend on the Niagara Movement. We've talked to you, Larry, about this on the show before, but I really want those, I want you, the listener, to know
13: about this. So tell us about the
1: film and where it will be shown
13: like that. Please, Larry. The film is the Niagara Movement, and it's about the early civil rights movement. Uh, We had a subtitle that PBS said was too long, but it explains the film. It's the battle for the soul of the civil rights movement at the turn of the last century. Uh, and it involves a local hero, W.E.B. Du Bois, born in Great Barrington. We have the Du Bois Center and Library here, but it also at involves, UMass. At UMass, um, it also involves William Monroe Trotter, who was a great civil rights hero, but most people don't know about him. Who grew up in Boston, one of the first black men to graduate from Harvard. W.E.B. Du Bois was the first black man to get a Ph.D. from Harvard, and these guys were friends and colleagues until they had a big battle which happened within the Niagara Movement. But they had joined forces at the beginning, in about 1903, to fight against Booker T. Washington, who was known as the Wizard of Tuskegee. Uh, And actually, we have a a clip lined up, if you want to hear it. Before I show the clip, I just want to say, play the clip, I just want to say that we are going to premiere the film, a sneak preview at the Center for the Arts at 33 Holy Street, this coming Saturday, May 20th, at 4 p.m., and 7 p.m. You have a better chance of getting in at 7 p.m. Um, and people from the film will be there. Amalekar Shabazz is going to be speaking, as well as Angela so Professor Jones. Professor
1: Amakar Shabazz from the African American Studies Department at mm-hmm. UMass Amherst. Right.
13: He's the chair. Right. And uh, another historian, Angela Jones, who's written the only recent book on the Niagara Movement, will be there as well. And so also people from the film will be zooming in for the talk back after we have the film, both at 4 and 7 p.m.
1: 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock, 33 Holy Street, this Saturday.
13: And it's free, but a donation is requested to support support the Center for the Arts. Okay. Dan Torres is in the studio. Can you play a clip from Larry's film for us, Dan? Let me just set it up. Uh, This is a little bit about Booker T. Washington and how he differs from the elite, educated men of the North who opposed him in the Civil Rights Movement back between 1895 and 1910. Go ahead with the clip.
14: Organizations, one of the first movements that was explicitly centered around an unequivocal demand for African American civil rights and full inclusion into the American body politic.
7: W.E.B. Du Bois and William Monroe Trotter hoped to unleash a mighty current of protest. But the foremost African American leader saw things very differently and for a very good reason. Booker T.
0: Washington knows the terrorism of the South. He knows
14: that if you got out of line in any kind of way, you're going to be lynched. Booker T. Washington was a product of the South. He was born a slave in 1856, was raised in slavery in Virginia. He experienced struggling and clawing and scrapping to become educated. He realized within his bones what it took to survive In the South. He understood the language, the culture, the customs, the rules of the South in a way that a W.B. Du Bois and a William Monroe Trotter did not.
7: At 16, Booker T. Washington went to Hampton Institute, an agricultural and industrial school for newly freed black men.
0: He's gone to Hampton, he's learned the Hampton way, Black people don't need a college education, liberal arts education, and they need to learn how to work with their hands. They need to know how to get along with white people and and go along and obey white people.
15: If you learn how to read and write, if you've got a trade, if you could make something of yourself, that that was the road to freedom.
7: In 1881, the 25-year-old Booker T. Washington was named principal of a new school, Tuskegee Institute in East Alabama.
5: East Alabama in 18 Tuskegee.
13: Okay. So this is an introduction to who Booker T. Washington was. You have to understand that Booker T. Washington was operating in the deep south in Alabama where lynchings happened just about every day. And W. E. Du Bois and William Monroe Trotter in the North were not facing that on a personal level, but they certainly knew about it. And they could empathize in a way with Booker T. Washington, but they didn't have the daily experience. And this really led to a split in the civil rights movement uh, at the turn of the last century. Let me ask you this, Larry. In defense of
1: Booker T. Washington, his position was you in the north. you." Uh, African-Americans in the North don't understand what it's like to try to survive here in the South and therefore you can have these militant positions but they don't work here is that right. a fair characterization? that it is a
13: fair categorization on the other hand Booker T Washington was a very powerful guy he controlled the black press there are about 300 black newspapers in the country Monroe Trotter controlled one newspaper in Boston called The Guardian but the vitriol that's spewed from both of these men about each other—it's actually the humor in the film, the the way they accuse each other of actually being in the service of the devil. And this—the black press was a revelation to me. I did not know about it, um, and it really in an age before the internet, in the age before television. Telephones, television, anything—the only communication there was was word of mouth and the black press. Well, the Amsterdam News in New York was a very big newspaper and very prominent and very powerful. Yes, and came 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 out of that era. I wanted—if uh, you have time—to play one, one, more, one more clip. One no. more clip to give you an idea of the influence of lynching. And in fact, we have a we have a warning at the head of the film about how graphic this material is. This is a, a clip about the way that W.E.B. Du Bois reacted to a certain lynching of a man named Sam Hose. So, Dan, if you're ready, let's play the clip. Harvard
2: University. The difference between
15: uh, Booker T. Washington and W.B. E. Du Bois is the difference between day and night. Booker T. Washington was a political boss. Du Bois is an intellectual, an academic intellectual, a man of passion, a man of
2: poetry, a man of literature. In the late 1890s, he pretty much endorses Washington's program and at times blames black people for their predicament.
15: The American Negro must become self-supporting, a source of strength and power, instead of a menace and a burden to the nation. W.E.B. Du Bois.
7: But in April 1899, a horrific event in Georgia changed everything for W.E.B. Du Bois. A black
14: man named Sam Hose was accused of killing his employer. He was in jail, waiting execution, and a mob just came along, stole him from the jail. Sam Hose was lynched. They tortured him. They burned him alive. They took pieces of his body and displayed them in stores for sale as souvenirs. W.B. Du Bois heard about this lynching he heard that the charred knuckles of Sam Hose were on display in a grocery store window.
11: Dubois says that he was stopped dead in his tracks.
14: As he recalled later, a red ray struck him, and he realized that one could not be a cool, calm, detached scientist while African-Americans, while Negroes were being burned, starved, and mutilated.
13: Larry hot. So you get a, a sense of how intense W.E.B. Du Bois' feelings were. This film, The Niagara Movement, it's a one-hour film. It will be on PBS in October as a special, but we have a sneak preview of the film for Northampton residents, and anybody else who wants to show up, at 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. this coming Saturday, May 20th, at 33 Holy, the Center for the Arts. It's free, but a uh, donation is requested as a fundraiser for the Center for the Arts. We've been speaking with Larry
1: Hott, Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker
13: Larry Hott, whose new
1: film is The Niagara Movement. Thank you so much for your time today, and in previous weeks, thanks for
13: being with us regularly on the show, and thank you for this amazing film. Thanks, Bill, and thanks uh, for having me on. Bye-bye. We'll be right back.
0: More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, coming up right here on WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means Polka, Polka Carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning Polka Carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the Polka Classics and the latest Polka Hits. There are Polka Hits?
16: Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home,
15: Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial
0: care. It's Polka Carousel, every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP.
1: Oh, the places you'll go! This Dr. Seuss book might be the quintessential graduation gift. Broadside has it, plus other books for grads. Like
5: What Now by Ann Patchett, Navigate Your Stars by Jesmyn Ward. Toni Morrison's The Source of Self-Regard, Selected Essays, Speeches, and Meditations. Browse Broadside Bookshop
1: for inspiring books for graduates. How about Devotions, The Selected Poems of Mary Oliver?
5: How about Rough Sleepers by Tracy Kidder? Or Cheryl Strayed's Tiny Beautiful Things? Browse Broadside, buy a book for a grad. What's new at the Wheatley Inn?
11: everything. The Waitley Inn has undergone a stunning transformation with a fresh new look inside and a beautiful wraparound porch with great views and expanded parking area. The only thing that hasn't changed is the menu, offering classic New England fare the Waitley Inn has become famous for. The Waitley Inn is open Wednesday through Saturday starting at 4 p.m. and Sunday from 1 to 7. Pickup is also available with easy online ordering. Visit waitleyinn.com. Eat greatly at the Waitley.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
1: We continue our live broadcast from downtown Northampton on this Bike Day, Northampton Bike Day, during this month, National Bike Month, and it is Massachusetts Bike to Work Day. Friday will be the National Bike to Work Day. We have a lot to say about bicycles and how they are important, and it will become increasingly important in terms of fighting for environmental justice and in terms of making our cities and towns more livable, more affordable, and, frankly, more available to everyone. We have with us Jonathan Brody, who is the co-president of the Northampton Cycling Club. Uh, Jonathan, tell us for a moment, if you would, please, what you do other than uh, act as co-president of Northampton Cycling Club, and then I want to know what the Northampton Cycling Club is. You bet. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am a clinical social worker,
10: psychotherapist here in Northampton, specializing in cognitive behavioral therapy, work with kids uh, through adulthood, uh, and have a subspecialty of supporting people uh, with autism spectrum disorder. Uh, In my role of the Northampton Cycling Club, I'm co-president with Lila Everett. Uh, We uh, really focus on... uh, developing the club, which is 600 members strong with about 120 youth members. Uh, we have uh, developing youth programming. Just this past Monday, we had about 70 uh, kids up at Look Park at a cyclocross skills development program. We have a summer skills
1: program as well as a fall uh, skills development program for kids. What do you mean, skills programs. I mean, I get on my bike uh, that, you know, I get it uh, tuned up at the beginning of the year and then put it away for the winter. And what do you mean skills?
10: So skills can include everything from being able to ride on trails, to uh, bring your bike over obstacles, learn how to jump, uh, learn how
1: to bunny hop, uh, learn how to ride your bike as Could safe we stop as there m- for one second? <laughs> I-, I think I want to know. I'm not sure about this, but I think I want to know about bunny hopping on my bicycle. So
10: bunny hopping would be to lift both your front and then your back tire so in in essence kind of jumping your bicycle hopping your bicycle up either from a standstill position or in movement
1: really yes this is something I need to know yeah, yes, it is? <laughs>
10: yes. In fact, we have a local legend who became a national cyclocross champion, Ellen Noble, um, and she had a little slogan uh, that she used called uh, Bunny Hop the Patriarchy, and uh, it was not popular for women in the sport of cyclocross to bunny hop these barriers and she was able to do that and uh kind of showed the men um you know
5: what she was all about Wow! does your bike get too tired i'm sorry
10: <laughs> uh, how do people get in touch with you Um, They can get to us on nohobikeclub.org is our website uh, and uh, through
1: any kind of social media channel, Northampton Cycling Club. Are there meetings or is a meeting of the Northampton Bicycle Club something that happens while you're bicycling?
10: Um, So we have weekly rides, uh, upwards to five uh, weekly rides of varying abilities from, from beginner to advanced.
1: I can just join? Yeah,
10: you can join the membership, uh, so you can actually come to a ride without joining first, give us a try, um, experience the club and the the teamwork involved, and then if you like it, you can join, it's a pretty low membership fee, Uh, there's even a a more accessible fee for families and for kids.
5: Are there other,
10: like does Amherst have a bike club, does Holyoke... So interestingly, uh, it's a bit of a misnomer that we're we're the Northampton Cycling Club because people from all over the valley join us, from Amherst, uh, from Greenfield, from Holyoke, from Springfield, from all over, even actually beyond the valley.
5: And how about Hilltowns?
10: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we run an event in the spring called the Masochista. It's a whoa, very, whoa, 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 whoa.
1: It's called the Masochism what?
5: Masochista, <laughs> he said. A,
10: so, <laughs> so you guys hit the puns right right on their heads, so to speak. It is a combination of masochistic And keysters. Um, So we ride our bikes 30, 50, 70 miles and uh, anywhere from 4, 6, and 8,000 feet of climbing on dirt roads and kind of mud, snow, and ice in the spring. And it's actually a fundraiser for our youth events and uh, for All Out Adventures cycling. I'm
5: -hmm. sorry, but how much of your mission is involving safety?
10: So all of it. Um, so you know helmets are required on uh, in all of our events our focus on youth programming is about developing a generation of cyclists who wear their helmets who ride their bikes competently and safely
1: well you just made me a little uh, apprehensive since I'm really not going on a 70 50 or I have done some 30 uh, miles trips not in the last year or two but I would like to know are there shorter trips for those of us who say I'm not sure I want to do 30 miles absolutely
10: we have introductory rides on Mondays uh, Anywhere's you know if you want to ride 5 miles you want to ten, ride 10 miles we are a club for all and so we just invite everyone to come out uh, and, and ride for as little or as long as they possibly want
1: so if I wanted to take a, a 5 mile ride or a 10 mile ride that, that's possible absolutely Absolutely. And how do I find, do? I find that on your website. Yeah,
10: on our website we have a calendar with all the rides posted, including that introductory ride on Mondays. But there's other introductory rides throughout
1: the entire week. Okay, we're going to leave it there. We've been speaking with Jonathan Brody, who's the co-president of Northampton Cycling Club. They can reach you at what's the noho bike club dot org. dot org. Yeah. Thank you so very much. I know Thank you. got you. to run to work. Really appreciate yeah. it. Jonathan Brody is the co-president of Northampton. Thanks. Cycling Club, and we return now to our conversation with George Kohout, who is the president of the Friends of Northampton Trails. We really appreciate you doing this every year, and I really would like to know your perspective with regard to the future of uh, the trails in Northampton, and in particular, the use of the trails for biking as well as for, well,
2: walking. For walking, that's a great little tangent, Bill, because not all of us do ride bikes, but all of us like to get outdoors. I think we all feel more relaxed and peaceful and healthy when we're outdoors. Um, so the city's doing a great job. As you probably are aware, we're building a what's called a Northampton One Trail around the perimeter of the city. That will take use the exist, some existing trails and conservation areas. It's going to be about 24 miles long. That's it. It'll all be. Uh, navigable by feet and some of it by bike. We just heard great things from John Brody about riding long distances, the Masochista. A lot of bike riding, of course, is not at that level, but it's for families and young children, and those are the kinds of events that we're promoting also with the city. Uh, More relaxed rides where uh, you can just kind of move from your house to the school and back again. And for old people like
5: me, you call that a pop cycle?
2: Ah, There you go. Thank you very much, Buzz.
1: I, I thought I was going to call it an MRR, a more <laughs> relaxed ride. <laughs> okay, no points for any of those oh. uh, those quips. Listen, I would like Rumor in the morning. Uh, I would like to know about the use of the trails in Northampton by uh, p- uh, pedestrians, um, those who are just walking or walking their dogs. Yep. Because what I've experienced on the trails is this real sense of, for the most part, uh, community engagement and caring for each other, saying, letting pedestrians know, I'm on your left. I mean, those are yep. the, the, kind of the rules of the Yep. Uh, the trail and rules of the road but in fact it is a community place and people
2: do look out for each other i think that's impressive that's that's a great great uh, perspective and yeah and there's no enforcement on the trail we don't have police riding the trails telling folks to do or this or no, that No, but there are rules of etiquette that people can learn right thank you right there are informal rules of etiquette and sometimes they're posted about passing on the left keeping your dog leased um, you know minding that you stay on the right or stay on the left when you're walking. Um, Those kinds of things are really, really crucial because it's a mixed group of people using the trail. And helmets. And helmets, right, exactly. Um, And and the trails, you know, not only in the conservation areas, but the paved trails are used by all kinds of people of all kinds of mobility um, levels too.
1: Will the trails expand?
2: there are some exciting things happening there's going to be a new trail that's going to be engineered soon it's been accepted to go from damon road over to hatfield along the connecticut river and the railroad tracks that's going to be a great expansion pretty much here we're going to continue to do some things that connect neighborhoods and get people to the trails from their neighborhoods
1: we have been. Sp- we have been speaking with George Kohout, who is the president of the Friends of Northampton Trails. We have been broadcasting live from downtown Northampton on this Northampton Bike Bike Day. It is National Bike Month. Friday is National Bike to Work Day. Today is Massachusetts Bike to Work Day. I think we got it. We thank you all. Thank Woo-hoo. you for doing it. Thank you so very much, and George. And the
5: planet thanks you. Thanks.
15: Environmental nonprofit, Ocean River Institute is working with communities to tackle climate change with nature-based solutions that feature slowing water down and building more soil with grasses and plants. Research indicates that people acting in their own neighborhoods can build an inch of soil in a year and slow sea level rise down by as much as 25%. Please visit oceanriver.org for more information on opportunities to make a difference and go the distance for
0: savvy stewardship of a greener and bluer planet Earth. Are you an immigrant worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. Visit our website at cnam.org. Call 413-587-0084. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 Turners Falls, WHMP.com on Northampton Radio Group Station. It's 10 o'clock.
15: Cruz in Washington, a Republican supermajority in the North Carolina House of Representatives yesterday joined the state Senate in overriding the Democratic governor's veto of an abortion bill. That bill bans abortions after 12 weeks of pregnancy. Democratic State Representative Diamond Staten Williams. When
17: I read this language of Senate Bill 20.
18: All I see is the removal of the God given right for myself and folks like me
17: to make decisions for ourselves.
15: William, William said she herself had ended unviable pregnancies after having already had two children. President Biden is leaving this morning for Japan for a summit of the world's largest economies. But the trip has been shortened because of the debt ceiling crisis. CBS's Weijia Jiang has that.
4: President Biden said that even though he is going overseas, he plans to speak with congressional leaders by phone regularly and that their staffs would meet here in Washington daily. He plans to come back to town on Sunday.
15: Sources tell CBS News that investigators are scouring grainy video that may show the person who got into the home of National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. CBS's Catherine Herridge reports U.S. law enforcement officials confirmed the man slipped past at least three Secret Service agents and then through a robust interior security system. The
3: door was reportedly unlocked when the intruder, apparently intoxicated, entered the home two weeks ago around 3 a.m. Sullivan confronted the man and told him to leave. The Secret Service detail outside did not know about the break-in until Sullivan told them.
15: A struggling NBA team has won the opportunity to make the number one draft pick a teenager almost no one has ever heard of. The
11: number one pick in the 2023
7: NBA draft goes to the san antonio spurs and the spurs number one overall pick will likely be 19 year old french hoop star victor wambanyama who issued a warning on espn i'm trying
14: to win the ring asap so
7: be ready the seven foot three teenager is considered the best draft prospect since lebron james the spurs can put him to good use the team tied for second worst in the league this season Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News.
15: House Democrats are forcing a vote on expelling New York Republican Congressman George Santos. The effort is expected to fail, but it will force Republicans to take a stand on their indicted colleague, something that many of them say they would prefer not to do. On Wall Street, Dow futures having risen on new hopes that the debt ceiling deal would be reached. The Dow itself is now up 69 points at this hour. S&P 500 up five. This is CBS
0: News. Need to hire quality candidates fast? You need Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates. All in one place. Visit Indeed.com credit. Attorney CPA Joe Cordell.
13: Divorce forces a father to focus on what's most important, his children. You may no longer be a husband, but you'll always be a dad. In the divorce process, this comes down to three key concerns, physical custody, decision-making, as well as financial support. Each of these is important, and it's important that you choose a lawyer that cares as much about these issues as you do. Schedule an appointment with one of
11: Cordell & Cordell's Boston-area attorneys, 201 Washington Street, Suite 3656, Boston, Massachusetts, 02108, CordellCordell.com. Great. It's yours. See you then.
6: Nathan's tiki-themed bar is swimming in end-of-year party bookings. Where can I find that many servers? They want headlamps?
0: And I'm going to need to find a band.
3: He needs caterers to navigate the rising tide. No, Mario,
0: not your cousin's cover band.
3: Indeed can help him hire great people fast.
0: I need Indeed.
3: Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit indeed.com credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
15: Why are so many Gen Z Americans putting on British
3: accents? You can thank all the popular UK TV shows.
4: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Amherst Regional School Committee met for nearly six hours last night to listen to hours of public comments and consider how they will find an acting superintendent to fill in while Michael Morris is on leave amid investigations of transphobic actions of three counselors. Members of the public called on Assistant Superintendent of Diversity, Equity and Human Resources, Dorian Cunningham, to resign. We now know that multiple previous complaints
9: were made over the course of years and swept under the rug by district leadership, all while LGBTQIA students-at-arms were enduring harm at the hands of
6: staff.
4: A statement from Cunningham was read aloud during the meeting, and during public comment, she emphasized
6: she's not resigning. Today is yet another dark day in the Amherst community, and I hope we can work together to bring our community jointly back to the light. I am not resigning. And I'm looking to the possibility of working with the community to make the necessary changes.
4: The school committee plans to meet again Thursday night at 7 p.m. Massachusetts U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins says she will resign following a months-long investigation by the Justice Department's Inspector General into her appearance at a political fundraiser and other potential ethics issues. Rollins is expected to submit a letter of resignation by close of business on Friday. The annual Athol Orange Community Television Foodathon raised over $33,000 for local food banks yesterday during a 12-hour live broadcast hosted by Jay Dean, featuring many community leaders including Senator Joe Comerford and Congressman Jim McGovern.
11: Sunny and breezy today, brisk with a high of only 60 to 64, mostly clear tonight, evening temperatures quickly dropping into the 40s and 50s, frost likely with an overnight low of 28 to 34, sunny on Thursday, a high of 64 to 68, and mostly sunny here Friday, a high in the low 70s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP.
0: This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP.
5: And welcome to the show. I am Buzz Eisenberg, and I'm Bill Newman. And Bill, it's a little windy out it's here. It's a lot windy out here, Buzz. It's great to be
1: here. So, well, so here, we should tell the people where here is. That's exactly right. Tell the people where we are. We're in downtown Northampton. It's national. It's National Bike Month. It's bike to work day in northampton and it's uh, bike to work day in massachusetts as well and friday is national bike to work day and it's all really exciting if you're interested in saving the planet and being healthier and having a downtown that is more accessible more vital and more forward-looking so it's very exciting we do this live broadcast every year from downtown northampton on this bike day and as it is every year it is a beautiful day
5: and here to help us promote uh, the use of oh, commuting with your bicycle, and uh, for the use of bicycle, we have who? James Lowenthal, Gee. and
16: I'm so happy to be here again on the, I think, 24th, we've kind it of lost an, track. Indeed, James
1: Lowenthal, professor of astronomy at Smith College and a dedicated bicyclist. Is that? Right? Because calling yep. you a biker it sounds wrong. Uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a motorcycle, but you can call me a biker. A biker. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's not actually what I often think about you. Biker James though. So, okay. Thank you very much.
16: Thank you, Bill. Nice to be here today on a, such a beautiful, sparkling day. It's a great day for a bike ride, and I hope everybody gets a chance to enjoy that pleasure.
5: Too. Why does an astronomer care so much about getting people to enjoy that pleasure?
16: It's funny you should ask. You know, I used to think these parts of my life were really totally different. I was an astronomer. I was a a passionate bike racer when I was a teenager growing up. And then I was an environmentalist. But those three things all come together very, very cleanly. Actually, astronomers understand, for example, climate and how climate works and how the atmosphere works and the sunlight comes in. And bicyclists uh, know that cycling is not only... uh, tremendously pleasurable, but also incredibly efficient. It's the most efficient mode of transportation ever invented. The automobile is the least efficient mode of transportation ever invented. So astronomy and bicycling and, uh, and environmentalism all come together in this cool way.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. I didn't think you were going to pull that off, but you did. <laughs> there they are, how they're all related, how all the world is interconnected, and all your interests come together in one kumbaya moment. Really, James,
16: that's amazing. But seriously, how, how do we encourage people, you know, if you need a gallon of milk? Sure, a gallon of milk is, um, for one thing, let me say that is a pleasurable fuel to consume, Right, a gallon of gasoline, much less pleasurable to consume. So
5: you have <laughs> and, to go buy that milk. Yeah. And you get in your car so over and there, you drive you know, a mile o- and a half.
16: Over there is right, exactly. A third of gasoline in the United States is wasted or, let's say, spent on trips of three miles or less. Well, it was a really easy bike ride. And so we, what we need to do is keep making it easier to do that and, dare I say, harder to drive a car. We should not focus on making it easier to drive, we should focus on making it easier to bike. It's already pleasurable. Professor, can you do something about the wind here, please? Uh, yeah, um, what we're going to do is turn it so that it's always a tailwind. <laughs> Can't you just? I mean, you're an astronomer. Can you just move the Earth a little bit for
1: the five minutes while we're at here? That actually came up in Congress.
16: There's a congressional representative who suggested that we should just uh, we should just change the planet's orbit to fix <laughs> climate change.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not sure we want to go down that road or find out what state he was from. Probably one with uh, some educational issues. Yeah, and I'll say that that is one we are not working on okay sounds good so let me just ask you this because i am interested in you've been with us every year james why for you uh does bicycling i understand how it fits into your life but what was its first attraction to you you've been at this for a long time and
16: stayed with it what's what's the what's the staying power of this Oh, it's, um, it's just the pure pleasure of riding a bike and having the ability to go wherever you want under your own power. It just feels good. And I have to say, I recognize it's not for everybody. Not everybody can do it. For me, it just feels as if my body is made for it. And uh, it is just one of the great joys in my life. You went to
1: uh, Yale. Then you got your doctorate at the University of Arizona. You ended up here
16: at Smith. I ended up. That's not quite the right word. But you <laughs> had been here for a long time. What brought you to Northampton? Well, I got a job at the University of Massachusetts in 1997, and I was on faculty there for five years. And then uh, a job opened up at Smith, which I was lucky enough to get, and uh, retained my ties to UMass through the five-college system. But uh, I've been at Smith since 2002. Do you, do active, do you actively promote...
1: Bicycling, bicycling, and is that right? I mean, I I hesitate to call it biking because I think of very uh, fuel inefficient uh, 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 locomotion. Uh, mechanisms with bikers, uh, bicyclists sound a little bit like something from grade school, though. So what's the what's the right, what's the right
16: word? Oh, cyclists, bicyclists, bike commuters, bikers—we're all the same. And it's a really, it's a big tent, not this one we're standing under. I mean, the, conceptually, it's a big tent. For example, Mass Bike, the Massachusetts Bicycle Coalition, That's a statewide organization that just promotes bicycling. It includes the lycra clad racers as well as the the grannies and uh, you know, or pedaling around on a maybe on a even a, a, a tricycle—it's human-powered uh, transportation.
1: All right, you look at big questions. I mean, you look at really big questions in in, in the cosmos. Universal questions. Yes, indeed. I'd like to know, from your perspective, whether or not—I know you're an optimist by 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 choice and by I don't know, by dint of who you are—but do you see? Bikes actually making a difference in our community and this country, or again, are we still
16: talking aspirational ideas? You know, there are some communities already where bicycles, bicycle trips, make up fifty percent of all trips. For example, Davis, California. Uh, there, there's a big range in the fraction of trips that are made by bike, and that is our our aspirational goal here: that we take a bigger and bigger chunk until it's you know well over ten percent here. And closer to 50% in the valley. Because you know, a large percentage of, bicycle, of, of car trips are very short. And that, they make up a huge percentage
1: of what gasoline is used for. It's a two-mile trip. It's a three-mile trip. You could do that
16: on a bike most of the time. That's the low-hanging fruit. We just have to make it easy. And here's the important thing. Just show how many people are already doing it and how much fun it is.
5: When the show is over, uh, my wife and I are going to go visit family in Philadelphia, and they just completely— And you're going to ride your bike there, Buzz? No, but there's this beautiful bike trail along the Schuylkill River and along the Delaware. That it goes on for miles and miles and miles, It's, it's very imp- and it's used.
16: And there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who do that every, every year. Which
5: has to make a difference in the amount of fossil fuels that are being consumed and destroying our planet.
16: It's clean. It's fun. It's good for health
5: i really want to thank you for joining us i want to thank you for all you're doing planet thanks you bill yeah the planet thanks professor james Lowenthal,
1: smith college thank you, so thank you very, very much nice to
5: be here thanks so much i just like to shift gears a little bit here um, before we we take a break i'd like to introduce sophie Michaud, who's the artistic director director of the tiny glass tavern hello Sophie
17: hello thank you for having me
5: well it's a pleasure we had you before and and it was just a delightful now of course that was in studio it was a lot warmer (laughs) a lot quieter but it's really great to have you here first of all tell us about tiny glass taverns
17: Tiny Glass Tavern is a cross-genre musical ensemble that I um, that I founded. Uh, I'm passionate about a lot of different styles of music: classical music, folk music, pop music, um, from a lot of different countries. And I wanted to have a space to create really joyful, exciting concerts, bringing together all those different styles around certain specific themes uh, that will change all the time. How long have you been
5: performing? How long have you been a vocalist and how long have you been performing?
17: Yeah, I've been singing uh, for, I guess forever but i've been a professional singer for 15 years and uh yeah I, I recently 2 years ago moved to northampton and uh i'm enjoying the incredible music community that there is here uh incredible singing community everyone loves to sing and loves the good things here so
5: <laughs> it, it's really wonderful so you you have um these concerts are coming up, and they just sound so interesting. Uh, it says that the performance is called There Shall Be No More Sea. Yes, you, it seems like a,
17: <laughs> quite a dark... I just want to say that's S E
5: A C as in ocean.
17: That's right. So this, tell us, tell us how this, right. Uh, what's it based on? Yes, so we... Uh, I've found over the years so many exciting uh, pieces of music, songs uh, around the theme of the ocean, and that includes, of course, sea shanties that we all know and mostly love. I love them, certainly. Uh, but also um, art song, and um, so that that's classical music with piano, but also folk songs and the theme of the sailors or the women taking care of the, the, the families waiting for their, for their uh, men and plowing the salt waves and um, uh, but also the incredible creatures below the uh, in the ocean and the mermaids and uh, and of course the incredible power that the ocean has in itself and and uh and just all incredible things that humans have always been in awe of and have written a lot about, both poetry and uh, music. And so we're going to bring an incredible selection of different styles around the theme of the ocean. And it will include some of singing. The audience will be singing, joining along. Uh, The whole program is punctuated with, with moments where everyone can sing along and join in. Together. Can't you be a little
5: bit more passionate, Sophie Michaud? <laughs> <laughs> your passion is contagious. Obviously, you oh, love what you do. That's right. Yeah. We're going to take a break in a few minutes, but before we do, is it possible for you to give us a little taste? Yes. I know absolutely. it's a cappella, and you don't have the rest of your that's your okay. No. Here. I
17: um I wanted to share one of my favorite French song songwriters is Jacques Brel. I grew up in France, and this is a, just the first verse of a of a Jacques Brel song. It's dans le port d'Amsterdam, and it's about the sailors coming home, and what do they do when they come back uh, to the port? Dans le port d'Amsterdam, il y a des marins qui chantent, les rêves qui les hantent au large d'Amsterdam. Et dans le port d'Amsterdam, il y a des marins qui pleurent. Dans les de With the wind turned my page And here I am <laughs> Let me dans le your Dans le port page. d'Amsterdam Y'a des marins qui meurent Pleins de bières et de drames Aux premières lueurs Mais dans le port d'Amsterdam Y'a des marins qui naissent Dans la chaleur épaisse Des longueurs océanes That's just a little little taste of it. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful,
5: (laughs) you have a beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. And I didn't understand a word you said, but it was beautiful. Jacques Bral, you said?
17: Jacques Brel, yes, that's right.
5: We're going to take a break and we're going to be back with Sophie Michaud, the artistic director of the Tiny Glass Tavern, right after this.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
9: Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.?
17: Is this week's Shop Friday Berkshire East Resort?
9: Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m.
16: Get outside and enjoy yourself this summer with mountaintop zip lining, an aerial adventure park, and mountain coaster certificates from Berkshire East Resort in Charlemont. Your summer adventure is here.
9: Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m the shop 30 store at whmp.com banking with greenfield savings bank is about to get more rewarding
17: this june we're introducing you choose rewards a new debit card rewards program that rewards you every time you use your gsb debit mastercard you choose rewards is free and with you choose rewards you'll earn points that can be redeemed for dining shopping traveling cashback donations and more Link your GSV debit card with your mobile wallet including Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay or PayPal. It's easy to start earning You Choose Rewards. After June 1st, just go to our website and sign up for You Choose Rewards for your GSV debit Mastercard. It's free. All you need to do is sign up. So mark your calendar and sign up your Greenfield Savings Bank Debit MasterCard for you Choose Rewards after June 1st. And start earning you Choose Rewards every time you use your GSB Debit MasterCard.
3: You
11: choose Rewards, the free Debit MasterCard rewards program coming to Greenfield Savings Bank this June. Member FDIC, member DIF. Learn more at greenfieldsavings.com slash
0: youchoose.
9: At Mountain View Farm in East Hampton, we have been growing beautiful, certified organic produce exclusively for our farm share members since we started, and we have been voted best local CSA in the Valley for the last 15 years running. Included in your weekly pickup, you can also enjoy our field of you-pick flowers and herbs all season long, and you can shop in our farm store, which features many wonderful local products. We offer shares for all size households. Sign up at mountainviewfarmcsa.com.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
5: And we are back. We are broadcasting remotely from this uh, windy uh, spot where the Northampton uh, bike breakfast is sort of headquartered. Uh, we've really been enjoying our conversations with those folks. But also, there's an incredible concert that's coming up. Sophie Michelle is with us. She is the artistic director of the Tiny Glass Tavern. There's going to be a performance. Uh, on Friday, May 19th at 7:30 at the All Saints Episcopal Episcopal Church in South Hadley, and uh, who else is with your troop? Tiny Glass, yes. Tavern
17: Sophie. For this program, we um, have a narrator who is going.
5: Okay, we we are remote, and somebody just uh, someone unplugged out. us. Literally unplugged us. Really, so we, we, we are, are back, back. <laughs> but we're plugged back in. And Sophie, you were saying who else was in your troupe?
17: So we have an exciting uh, narrator uh, who's going to weave the music together with incredible stories and poems on the theme of the ocean, including a Kathleen Rain poem. There shall be no more sea that the program takes name of, but some excerpts of Pinocchio, for example. Um, Just some really fantastic, fun, um, and beautiful uh, stories but uh, we also have a pianist, Kai Ching Chang, who is one of my favorite musicians of all time. And she will be playing piano. And we have my um, husband and uh, colleague, uh, Adam Simon, who, who has playing, an incredible and, voice. I've who has, him. yes, also a stunning voice. You'll hear his voice and his bass playing and mandolin playing. And uh, it's just a great time, just joyful, joyful music making. Uh, and, and yes, I, we hope that you'll join in, uh, not only in Person, but in singing too.
5: What I love, Sophie Michelle, is that you you go cross genre. You really love That's so right. many and incorporate so many genres. Who actually performed? I mean, uh, wrote, composed. What yeah. we're going to be?
17: We'll, we'll hear a lot of different things. As you heard, this French chanson from you know the 20th century by Jacques Brel. But there's also some art song um, by Rebecca Clark, Gabrielle Fauré, one of my favorite French uh, composers. But also. Uh, some Baroque music by uh, Antonio Vivaldi that you might have heard, an incredible fiery aria. Um, also, some folk songs by singers like uh, Frankie Armstrong in You and Recall, and just... Um, and so there'll be some art song, classical music, folk music, sea shanties, popular songs. It's just—it's kind of like my little personal mixtape uh, for me to you, and it's a great time. Well, th-
5: would you do me a favor and please give us another taste of your beautiful uh, voice?
17: Yes, this is an excerpt of Connie Converse's "Father Neptune." <clears throat> when my man goes to sea, he steps so high and free i think i know as i watch him go that he has no need for me for me and when my man comes home and waits a while to roam i think i see when he smiles at me that he's dreaming of the foam the foam I'm not a pious Christian and I do not go to Mass, but I pray to Father Neptune to let him safely pass. I sing to the gods, the three-pronged rods of the whiskers, wild and free, that I've got a man with a beard and a tan and a passion for the sea. <laughs>
5: that is absolutely delightful. The performance will be called There Shall Be No More Sea. It is based on Kathleen Raine's poem There Shall Be No More Sea. It's going to be Friday, May 19th, this Friday at 7:30 at All Saints Episcopal Church in South Hadley and it is the incredibly talented Tiny Glass Tavern. Sophie Michaud, you're the artistic director. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank
17: you for having me. Thank you very much. Break a leg Have on wonderful Friday. Day. <laughs>
5: Bill, we're back at the bike breakfast. Let's do a bit more
1: on bikes. Sean Condon, who is the owner of Speed and Sprocket, this is a service and a business that is really important and makes a huge contribution to all of us in the valley who are concerned about bike and bike safety and making bikes more available uh, to everyone. So, Sean, tell us a bit about your business, uh, Speed and Sprocket Cycle Works, please.
19: Yeah, thank you. We are a mobile bike shop. Uh, We're based in Northampton. We kind of service the Connecticut River Valley from Greenfield down roughly to the Connecticut border. Um, We do events like today's bike breakfast, but most of our work is uh, by appointment. We go right to people's houses uh, or where they work, and we offer most of the services that uh, a brick-and-mortar bike shop would offer, uh, tune-ups, repairs, and uh, some accessories as well.
1: And what's the motivation for having a bike repair business go to the bikes themselves instead of vice versa?
19: That's a good question. So it's really a convenience factor. So a lot of our customers are families with four, five, six bikes that they can't get all to the bike shop. Uh, Some of our customers have bikes that uh, are equally difficult to transport because of the weight, like e-bikes or the size, uh, like uh, recumbent tricycles. Uh, And some people just need to have their bike, Uh, and they can't leave their bike at a shop for two weeks, three weeks. Um, You know, If there's nothing critically wrong with it, uh, it just needs uh, some minor service, they can hold on to it while waiting for uh, their appointment day to roll around, uh, and they can keep riding until it gets serviced what's the typical
1: problem that you are called about maybe that's a little bit like asking a surgeon what are the typical problems in the human body but i assume that there are more there's a greater frequency to some kinds of repairs that are needed than others tell us about your
19: experience with that if you would please sean condon Sure uh, the most common issues people have are probably with shifting uh, having problems with shifting their bike uh, or brakes brakes not working uh, which is obviously a pretty important safety factor uh, and then flat tires of course okay
1: so uh, let's say just hypothetically I weren't very mechanically inclined uh, should I be carrying <laughs> should I be carrying with me a kit To uh, repair a flat tire, is this something that a uh, a not terribly uh, mechanically inclined person can do? Or we need to call you for that if we're out on the trail and, boy, there's a flat.
19: (laughs) Fixing a flat tire is certainly uh, a a task that most people can accomplish. Um, you might not be as quick as a pro, but it, it isn't terribly complicated. There are, uh, just like everything else, hundreds of videos on YouTube that you can you know, pull up on your phone. Um, the tools that you need for it are pretty basic. Uh, you need a, you know, a tube, replacement tube or a patch kit, some tire levers to get the tire off of the wheel, um, and a pump to reinflate it once you get the new tube or patch the old tube.
1: And when you're riding, do you carry all this with you on, I mean, because you're not carrying your van with you. Do you carry all this in a bag on the back of your bike?
19: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, most of it, I have a little bag that tucks under my seat uh, right on my bike. And then i also carry a few things in, in my, the pockets of my cycling jersey.
1: Any other equipment that you carry with you as a matter of course for either safety or convenience?
19: Uh, I always have. Uh, I always tuck a couple extra dollars in my cycling bag to have on hand if I need to stop to get a drink. Uh, having something to drink on the bike, some water bottles, uh, is a good thing. And then lights uh, are, are really important as well for safety purposes. Tell us about lights. Do you have recommendations about what
1: kind of light we should have in the front and or the back, back of the bike?
19: There are a few options uh, out on the market. You can get uh, lights that are powered by conventional batteries, AAA batteries. But nowadays, also, there are uh, USB rechargeable lights, which are really nice. Um, So on the front, uh, a white light, kind of like a headlight on a car. Uh, And then on the back, uh, a red light. Uh, Even during the day, I typically have my rear light on, uh, flashing mode, so people can see me. And you leave it on flashing because it's more visible,
1: and we should do that as a matter of course, just don't turn on the back red light, have it on the flashing mode?
19: Yeah, absolutely. Flashing mode definitely attracts more attention than just a solid light. Solid light can kind of be lost, uh, but something blinking definitely is more eye-catching.
1: Okay, final word from you on how to enjoy safely bikes here in the
19: valley? Uh, there are lots of um, bike paths uh, here in the valley. Uh, the network is growing. Uh, start with those. Those are a good place to start. And then just get out into some of the hill towns uh, uh, away from the major metropolitan areas. We leave it there. We've been speaking with Sean Condon, who is the owner
1: of Speed and Sprocket Cycle Works. If people want to reach you, where, where and how do they do, they do that?
19: Uh, we have a website uh, speedandsprocket.com we're on Facebook and Instagram uh, you can also drop us an in, uh, email at info@speedandsprocket.com at
1: we leave it there. Sean Connan, thank you so very much. We'll be right back. In the
4: beginning with the wildflowers in my head
0: This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.
4: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Amherst Regional School Committee met for nearly six hours last night to listen to hours of public comments and consider how they will find an acting superintendent to fill in while Michael Morris is on leave amid investigations of transphobic actions of three counselors. Members of the public called on assistant superintendent of Diversity, Equity and Human Resources, Doreen Cunningham, to resign we now know that multiple previous complaints were made over the
6: course of years and swept under the rug by district leadership, all while LGBTQIA students at arms were enduring harm at the hands of staff. A
4: statement from Cunningham was read aloud during the meeting and during public comment, she emphasized she's not resigning.
6: Today is yet another dark day in the Amherst community and I hope we can work together to bring our community jointly back to the light. I am not resigning. And I'm looking to the possibility of working with the community to make the necessary changes.
4: The school committee plans to meet again Thursday night at 7 p.m. Massachusetts U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins says she will resign following a months-long investigation by the Justice Department's Inspector General into her appearance at a political fundraiser and other potential ethics issues. Rollins is expected to submit a letter of resignation by close of business on Friday. The annual Afal Orange Community Television Foodathon raised over $33,000 for local food banks yesterday during a 12-hour live broadcast hosted by Jay Dean, featuring many community leaders including Senator Joe Comerford and Congressman Jim McGovern.
11: Sunny and breezy today, brisk with a high of only 60 to 64. Mostly clear tonight, evening temperatures quickly dropping into the 40s and 50s. Frost likely with an overnight low of 28 to 34. Sunny on Thursday, a high of 64 to 68. And mostly sunny here Friday, a high in the low 70s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP. Bye bye to
0: the people. Tag your it bye Tom bye Hartman, to weekdays at people. noon. Tom Hartman program, your home for the resistance. Commentary, conversation and common cause. Join me, Tom Hartman, every weekday from noon to three right here on WHMP. 101.5, 1400 and 1240 WHMP.
14: W-H-M-P. <laughs>
6: Fort Hill Collision Services will love it too. So for the European touch for your foreign or domestic vehicle, trust the experts at Fort Hill Collision Services, Route 9 in Amherst
8: kick off your summer by joining Pioneer Valley Fiberglass Pools for their grand opening event at their brand new showroom in Westfield on June 1st from 11 to 1, starting with a ribbon cutting by the mayor. Enjoy food and refreshments or even take a dip in one of their many pools on display. Come join the fun and explore the possibilities for your own backyard. Pioneer Valley Fiberglass Pools has been in business for over 20 years and offers free virtual site evaluations and competitive estimates. See you June 1st from 11 to 1. Check out PVF Pools. For more info, your Oasis awaits.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
5: Back, this is Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And Bill, uh, we've been out here. It is it's supposed to be springtime. It's been a little bit chilly, a little bit windy. We're all outside more than we have been after a long winter. And I don't know about you. I don't know
1: how to break this to you. It's more than a little chilly, and it's been more than
5: a little breezy. It's been a lot breezy. Well, But 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 it's a beautiful day. But my point is, where I live up in the hill towns, we're having more and more reports of ticks, more and more discovery of ticks. Uh, And it's really a problem these days. How is it in Northampton?
1: I avoid any possible place where there would be ticks because I am paranoid about two naturally occurring phenomena, is COVID and the other is Lyme
5: disease. That's exactly why we have with us the executive director of the Lyme Disease Resource Center. And we're so glad to have her. Uh, Maria, Look at my papers flying all (laughs) over the place. Maria Malaguti, thank you for joining us.
18: Uh, Thank you for having us. Are you warm? (laughs) It's a little nippy.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So you are the executive director. How did you get involved with Lyme disease?
18: I am also the founder of the Lyme Disease Resource Center. In um, 1997, I was backpacking in New Hampshire. Um, unknown to me, I was bitten, did not get a rash, uh, got sick over the course of a year, was untreated until it was discovered I had Lyme and some co-infections. Um, very sick, bedridden for a couple of years, and um, flash forward to 2006, I moved to Northampton, Was part of a support group and asking the question, why isn't there more help for Lyme disease patients? Uh, Saw the cancer connection, wonderful things that they're doing, wanted to do something similar for Lyme patients. Um, 2013, we founded our center.
1: Could you go back and fill in how you discovered that you had Lyme?
18: It was my primary care physician, uh, did some testing, ruled out a number of other diseases, including cancer, and found that I had Lyme, Ehrlichia, and Bartonella. It's
1: a blood test?
18: It was a blood test.
1: And how long after you are bitten does this show up? or I mean, can, can you find out? Because I'd like to know that.
18: The, the blood tests are not accurate. They were created for surveillance purposes only. Uh, current surveillance is only for emergency room visits, so we really don't know the actual number of people infected.
1: And do we know how long the test is good for? I mean, if you were, were bitten today and you did not, uh, were not diagnosed uh, any time immediately, there was no red blot, blot um, on your skin, um, can you be diagnosed months later?
18: You can be diagnosed by a Lyme-literate physician or some other doctor who is aware of the symptoms, but it's a, it's a difficult diagnosis because Lyme does mimic other diseases.
5: I don't mean to be too intrusive, Maria Malaguti, the executive director of the Lyme Disease Center, but this disability that you suffered as a result of this tick bite, is it still plaguing you?
18: This is ongoing. Um, I may look okay, but I I do have um, joint issues, extreme fatigue issues. Um, You can hear my vocal issues whenever I start to have any kind of Lyme flare up or disease flare up. My voice is the first to go, my vocal cords. That's where I started getting sick back in uh, 1997.
5: I just have to say, you're a model. Somebody suffers uh, that kind of misfortune and uh, you just got in the saddle and you're trying to do something about it. You're the founder of the Lyme Disease Center, which is pretty impressive.
1: Is Lyme chronic in that way for most people who get it, who are not treated immediately?
18: It's a little bit more complicated than just Lyme disease. It can affect your immune system. It can affect your major organs. Um, I have nerve damage because I was untreated for so long. So, multi systemic.
1: Okay, leading me to this question a bit unfair perhaps, but is how do people avoid going through what you've been through?
18: Absolutely. Prevention. Prevention. Um, A good portion of what we do. um, We give information about removing a tick, what to do if you're bitten, and how to prevent getting bitten, which involves wearing light-colored clothing, keeping to the path when you're out in the woods, avoiding long grass, avoiding loose leaves, Using uh, treatments like permethrin or DEET, or there are some herbal um, treatments that the EPA recommends.
5: Yeah, and also with us today, and I'm so glad she is, is Nellie Wilson, who is a board member, a longtime volunteer, um, and somebody who has a measure of expertise in infectious diseases generally. Hi, (laughs) Nellie.
9: Hello. How
5: did you get involved with? with uh, the Lyme Disease Center.
9: So I um, started volunteering in 2018 and um, I had been running a support group for women with chronic illness and um, got introduced to Maria and so started volunteering running the support group, the monthly support group that they offer on Wednesday. The Lyme Disease Resource Center also offers a Saturday support group. So we have two support groups per month that um, people can register for, and this is for people who have Lyme disease, other chronic illnesses, and it's also for people who are supporting a loved one, a friend, a family member who is going through Lyme.
5: So what happens in the support group?
9: So, support groups are a confidential space where people can come together and get to talk about what is going on for them. They get to share kind of where they're at on their healing journey, and we get to share resources with each other about um, treatments that people have found who, uh, that have worked well, and doctors that they've really liked seeing. Um, herbal remedies, questions about, you know, like this antibiotic I've been on for a long time. These are the side effects I'm having. Have other people experienced that? And it's also a place to talk about emotional support and dealing with a illness that's invisible, right? So, you know, you just said to Maria earlier, you look great. We may look great on the outside, but we are struggling on the inside very often with living with chronic illness.
1: I I would like to know about Lyme as a chronic illness. I understand the importance of a support group and how it can make a huge difference in a person's life. That said, is Lyme chronic in the sense that a person who has suffered from it, was not treated quickly, is apt to suffer long-term consequences, and it's just a matter of, not just, it's a matter of managing the symptoms because there is no cure?
18: There is controversy over the term chronic Lyme. Um, We tend to see it as a more comprehensive label for all the co-infections. There's about 19 different co-infections they've found that they usually test for. Um,
1: I'm sorry, I don't understand that. What's a co-infection?
18: Co-infection, it can be Bartonella, it can be Ehrlichia, um, Tullumeria. It's something
1: that goes along with Lyme?
18: The tick is a little cesspool, and it can contain many diseases.
1: So is Lyme just one disease, or is it a a compendium of diseases?
18: Lyme is caused by the spirochete Borrelia.
1: That's a, the, that's there's te- different
18: types of Borrelia. I see. It's a very clever spirochete. It works similar to syphilis, which is why it can change form. It can get into um, it can get into the bloodstream. It can cross the blood-brain barrier. It's a it's a very serious issue if it isn't treated promptly.
5: We are we are here at the site of the Northampton Bike Breakfast, and uh, our guests are from the Lyme Disease Resource Center. By the way, uh, if you want to get in touch with them, and we'll keep coming back to that. And there's an event that we want to talk about, but it is Lyme L Y M E, Lyme, Lyme D R C Disease Resource Center, org. Let me just say it again: L Y M E D R C, dot org, and you can get information by going to info at Lymedrc.org.
1: I'd be, uh, I, I, I would appreciate it if you would just clarify what we were just talking about. Someone gets, uh, is bitten the right word by a tick? Bitten. Okay, you're bitten by a tick. Is it a deer tick usually?
18: Lyme disease is carried by the deer tick. There are other diseases other ticks can carry and the deer tick can carry. If you go to our website, we have a number of resources that will lead you to more information about the complexities of tick-borne illness. But you might not
1: know. A person may not know that they've been bitten because it's not as if you're bitten and you feel sick immediately. And and if you don't get on this and have, and there is an antibiotic that can treat this very effectively, but if you don't have it, you're in trouble.
18: If if you don't have the rash, if you don't have any tick- to send out to be tested few days after being outdoors you start to feel flu symptoms go to your doctor have him test you or her test you um, for whatever your symptoms may be
5: I was looking at your website executive director Maria Malaguti of the Lyme Disease Resource Center and I saw watch out for a rash or a fever or a headache or fatigue we're gonna talk more about this and I really want to talk about the event that you have coming up in order to fund the important work that you do it isn't just it's got northampton in your name in your name there but it's you're national aren't you
18: we are now national um we had to shut our doors back in 2020 with your, the pandemic. your brick and mortar doors our brick and mortar but we launched online um all our programming went online um people started finding us from across the nation our um we went from hyper-local to national um, within a month.
5: Lyme Online. We're going to be right back. We're we're speaking with Nellie Wilson, board member, and Maria Malaguti, executive director and founder of the Lyme Disease Resource Center. We'll be right back after this.
0: More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, coming up right here on WHMP. Part of what I love about being a therapist in community mental health is really getting to know people who are from really
12: different backgrounds, including serving people who are the most vulnerable.
3: Dan is a therapist at
12: ServiceNet. There's a culture of thinking more deeply about the work we're doing. And for me, when I do that, that feels really good.
3: If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org.
9: What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member,
1: Bill Newman. Local farms are welcoming spring to the co-op. Asparagus popping up and ready to eat in bunches. In the co-op meat department, local chicken from Reed Farm, house-made brats and sausage, everything to kick off grilling season. In the co-op cheese department, welcome the maple season with maple washed Willoughby, a delicious local cheese washed with Vermont maple liqueur.
10: River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is
7: welcome.
2: We finally entered into a more balanced real estate market. Hi, I'm Craig Della a part of the Trailside team at the Murphys Realtors. I've been helping buyers and sellers in our valley and beyond for close to 20 years. I specialize in homes near rail trails, as well as antique or historic homes. Together, we'll create a plan to get you to the next chapter, and will minimize your stress along the way visit northamptonrealtor.com innovator
10: grow food northampton helps you make the local food system better this is michael Skillcorn, director of programs you can join us by shopping at northampton tuesday market getting a plot at our community garden in florence Buying a farm share at Crimson and Clover or Sawmill Herb Farm. You can volunteer with us in our giving garden or participate in our neighborhood markets that bring the local food movement to underserved communities in Northampton. Get involved and support our work at GrowFoodNorthampton.com. E. Hablamos Espanol. Pregunte por Michael.
0: You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP.
5: And we are back with Maria Malaguti, the executive director and founder of the now National Lyme Disease Resource Center, and board member Nellie Wilson of the Lyme Disease Resource Center. I just want to, I had a delightful experience Wednesday and Thursday. I woke up my wife, which I hate to do, because right outside was a mini herd of eight deer. That we were able to watch Frolicking and eating And they took about 15 minutes to get out of sight And the next day there were 7 I might have missed one And that's terrific But at the same time we have a lot of land I live in Ashfield We live up on the top of Ashfield Mountain And I see ticks like I've never seen them before So lime is certainly um, An important Thing for us to be aware of These days I find ticks Fortunately only dog ticks so far um, You know Maybe one a year on myself. So I, would, I just want to ask you, Nellie Wilson, I think you have an event that people should really know about coming up, right?
9: So we um, actually have an ongoing uh, fundraiser happening this month. As you mentioned, May is Lyme Disease Awareness Month. And so we are looking to raise $2,023 Lyme DRC. 2023, That's right? L Y M E <laughs> D R C. Yes. Um, so we uh, we have the fundraiser running until the 31st of May. You can support us by going to lime l y m e d r c dot and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and we are offering information and resources to people to both help in preventing Lyme disease, but also in offering support to people who have been diagnosed with Lyme. So the support that we, the money we raise goes directly towards supporting people who are dealing with Lyme and allowing us to provide community education.
1: We should note, if you hear something like, well, where are they broadcasting from, a wind tunnel? The answer is, well, sort of. We are. We are outside. It's the annual bike breakfast, and we are thrilled to be able to be talking about a really important aspect of being outside with experts on Lyme. Lyme disease. I would like to know, do all ticks carry Lyme? Are they all potentially infectious?
18: Not at all, which is why when you find a tick, it's really important to save it. You can send a picture of it off to tick Report in the Amherst, tickreport.org. They can let you know what type of tick it is and even if it is a tick. They also what, does that do, t-
1: what does that tell you? I they mean,
18: also do testing, okay. genetic testing on the ticks, tell you what it, it's carrying and what type of tick it is.
5: So what we're concerned about is bacterial infections within that. They're not viral, right? They're all bacterial?
18: There's all different kinds of diseases: bacterial, viral. Um, there's some blood-borne parasites, Babesia, babesiosis. Uh, you can get sick from.
1: So, do I understand correctly? And please, please uh, if I have this wrong, please, please correct me. Um, that the tick bite can give you Lyme, but at the same time, it can give you one of another of some other 18 equally serious diseases at the same time?
18: As as far as we know, there are other diseases. They're doing a lot of great research right now. The past five years and even the past three years with COVID research has brought up a lot of information about why people get sick and stay sick even after treatment.
5: And you, Maria? Uh Malaguti, before we went on break, you, you discussed your own disability that's now 25 years old. I'm sure all of us have, know someone who, came, who suffered either short-term or long-term from Lyme disease. So you are raising money so that your resource center can continue to help people through the kinds of support groups you were talking about. Exactly. National Information Center. Tell us a little bit more, Nellie Wilson.
9: Yeah, so um, in addition to the two monthly support groups that we offer, we also do peer support. um, So people can call in, can email, can set up a Zoom appointment with one of us to be able to get to tell their story and get resources specifically tailored to them. We have a database we're continuing to compile as people have um, documents that they've seen that they've had really good experiences with they make those recommendations to us Lyme literate physicians are reaching out to our office we also have a holistic therapies can I, can program
5: I circle back to that you yeah. said that before Lyme literate physicians are reaching out to you to find out more about it
18: indeed mm-hmm. Maria Um, Just last night I had a conversation with a medical practice wanting to be in our database to help share um, helpful information for patients, lead patients to places that are going to do some really um, comprehensive testing.
1: I saw a story, I think it was on 60 Minutes some time ago, about Physicians in the western part of the country actually not being Lyme literate did not understand what this person was presenting with and just blew the diagnosis completely. They compared that to the Northeast where they say most primary said, I believe, most primary care physicians actually are Lyme literate. And I'm wondering whether you think that's uh, too broad a statement or whether in fact most people here if they go to the primary care physician will be in competent hands.
18: I think it's a really broad statement, um, and given today the way medical practices go, um, primary care has 15 minutes with the patients, not long enough to really do a deep dive into a serious, complicated chronic illness. It's important to have a team of doctors once you do become ill in this way. Um, and have places that you can go to get proper testing.
5: Well, kudos to you for offering those services. Kudos to those doctors for reaching out. Nellie, I interrupted you. You were talking about the kinds of things that people can support by sending money to the Lyme Disease Resource Center and how to contact you.
9: Yeah, so support groups, peer support. And we also have a holistic therapies program. So we have people here in the Northampton area who are volunteering their time offering things like craniosacral therapy, emotional freedom technique, tapping, um, and uh, things like Reiki to any of our patients, um, any of the clients that work with us to be able to get that sort of holistic alternative. Uh, support and when they're dealing with these illnesses. Bill,
5: we only have a minute left. If
1: a person thinks they have been bitten by a tick, they can get antibiotics that will actually stop Lyme in its tracks if you do it quickly enough. Is that correct?
18: Yes, that's correct. It's important to go to your doctor if you know you've gotten bitten and get tested. Or even if you suspect you've been bitten. Even if you've suspected. Mm -hmm.
1: And that treatment that those antibiotics in fact work
18: they they can work
5: Well, we can't thank you enough for the information that you are disseminating for us. You are Maria Malaguti, you are the founder and executive director of the Lyme Disease Resource Center. And you, Nellie Wilson, board member, people can contact you how?
9: They can go to lymedrc.org. You can also email us at info at lymedrc.org.
5: Thank you so much for everything you do and for joining us today. Bill, it was a cold... They say that we're full of hot air. Well, I'll tell you, it's been cold air. Wow, well, I don't know. <laughs> you, Buzz, speak for yourself. Okay, speaking for me, I'm glad. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk.
0: This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. Looking to take a little breather from the news? We don't blame you. Why don't you turn the dial over to our pure oldie station, I'm, walking, I'm talking. It's like the music you, and you grew me, up with. i you come back meet. and the News will be right me. here when yes, you get back. i
17: I'm for your I'm
4: you come back The Valley's Pure Oldies, 96.9 nine, and 100.5. Nine, Hi,
5: this is Tom from 4-H. What will the next 100 years look like for today's youth? According to the 4-H members of Hampshire counties, there are no limits. Youth, supported by adult 4-H club leaders, are being prepared to take on any role they can imagine. Astronaut, director, hockey player, surgeon, engineer, and CEO. These are just some of the roles that a recent survey shows that our 4-H'ers not only dream about, but are preparing for. Join the 4-H team. W-H-M-P, Home Northampton, and
0: W-R-S-I-H-D-2, Turners Falls, WHMP.com, on a Northampton radio group station. It's a